This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Bohino! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. Could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is Andy Sinton from nothing. Brian Roy has headed for it into lead. Whelan. Oh, what a goal from Noel Whelan. Imagine. We've got to wake up. Rush potato. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, he hasn't. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Gull, I'm joined by Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And some say he once edited the database of Championship Manager 97-98 to make every player a woman. Others say he helped Steve Gibson fool Emerson into thinking his tour of London was actually Middlesbrough. It is Michael Marden. Hello. Was that like the intro to the stick? <laughs> I thought you quite find it. What are they going to do? Sue us? They no longer own the copyright. <laughs> We should start with an apology, not to Jeremy Clarkson, um, unless he uh, wanted tickets for the live show, but it seems unlikely. Last week, we, we announced our first live show uh, via our mailing list, and then on the show, we, we announced that it sold out. Uh, we, we just kind of said it in passing, and it sounded like we were quite smug. The problem was, we had recorded that before the show went on sale, due to when we recorded it, so we just recorded two versions. <laughs> And we didn't think it would sell out. So we just write, oh, well, let's just knock out a version and be like, oh, there we've sold yeah, out. We never expected it to get used, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it happened, we were like, oh, that thing's got to go out. Yeah. So thank you. So, yeah. so, so it was bittersweet when we sold it out. No, genuinely, thank you so much. We were so shocked that it sold out. And we're going to have one more in the same venue. We will release that on the mailing list for pre-sale on Friday at 10 a.m. So if you want to be one of the first... There's 60 people on the waiting list. That's mad. It's like the bloody NHS, am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah, so if you want to, uh, sign up to our mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Right, let's have some correspondence. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. Okay, I say correspondence. What I really mean is, pick up that dial and let's phone the Phil Thompson directory. Hello, I'm Phil Thompson. I know all about your neighbourhood. It's all in your Phil Thompson local directory. Need a plumber? Ask Phil Thompson. In your Phil Thompson local directory, nothing's more than a few miles away. So, for the local answer, ask Phil Thompson. Right. It's drive it back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You thought it was dead. So I did I. <laughs> I. I hoped it was dead. <laughs> Okay. If you haven't listened before, the Phil Thompson Directory is our attempt to catalogue 90s footballers' jobs after they finished football. Okay, right. Josh. 
I'm sure you've been down the river Auckland near Sod, Sotrondalag in Norway. Yeah. And you're probably down there, probably lunchtime, maybe a bit yeah, 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 yeah. You want some salmon, right? I'd love some salmon, yeah. Well, go check out Unan Lodge, who's owned by Liverpool defender Vegard Hegum. Oh, yes, please. Who, who <laughs> I've been assured will take care of all your salmon needs. Is it just fish or could I have um, Hegum chips? <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, <laughs> bit fun. Is that lovely? I'm not sure. I think I was just sick in my mouth, but that was from Robbie Ward. <laughs> right. It's the height of summer. You're in the south of France, Josh. You're yep. probably boiling. You want to dip in a pool. You don't have a pool. You need one built double fast. <laughs> oh, I'm, that's very, you pick I'm, up the I'm so excited about who's coming to build my pool. <laughs> ring, what ring. Oh, yeah, it's a French bloke. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll come build your pool. Answer the door. It's only Stefan Givosh. <laughs> what is there oh, no. to build you a pool? Because that's what he does now in his hometown of Concarneau. He does struggle to finish. <laughs> Thank you to Paul Cumin who sent that in. Now, lastly, I don't know what this company is, but very kindly, Lindsay Stewart, I sent us on our Facebook, a business card of one Mr. Jim Layton MBE, sales manager for Universal Inspection UK Limited. Wow. If you need something inspected universally... Oh, that is him as well, because it's based in Aberdeen. Yeah. Jim Layton, MBE. Get down there. Do you think he turns up to inspect your business or whatever your business is that needs inspecting with Vaseline on his eyebrows? (laughs) Still grumbling about Andy Gorham. <laughs> One final thing, Phil Thompson, because we may not see it again for a while. Um, what? Poppycock. <laughs> so we had uh, a message from someone called Adam Clark who said that German international and Euro 96 winner Mehmet Scholl oh, yeah. is now an A&R man in the music industry. No! I'm now, I looked into this yeah. and I can't find any record of it. What I did find is that he has and still continues to release a series of mixtape compilations. <laughs> wow! Right. Shall I read you some of the songs that he's picked? Yeah. Okay, so he's a big, big indie fan, it seems, and a big Brit fan. So, Beta Band, Dry the Rain. Oh, yeah, good song. Stereophonics, Not Up to You. Yeah. Oasis, The Master Plan. Hey, he's mixing these together. He's basically, he is the German version of Now That's What I Call <laughs> On the second are album, these commercially I think these are commercially these are on Amazon. The German releases, what? but Mehmet they're on Amazon. Mehmet Scholl, right? On the second album, and I don't know whether he's taking the piss here, right? Yeah. Euro '96 winner Mehmet Scholl has got three lions oh, is... on his compilation tape. Has he got anything off Mosley Scholl's? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, that's an amazing fact. Now um, it's time for Spotted. Oh, yeah. This is a feature that has really been going strength to strength in the last few weeks. It started last week. Matthew Earl. <laughs> it's HMV, Southampton High Street, late 90s. In comes Louise Boemorte. He asked my friend where the, the sports DVD section was. And then after spending a short time browsing the titles available, he asked to buy not one, not two, not three DVDs, but one of each of the football DVDs they had in stock. What, one of everything? One of everything. Oh my God, how the other half live. And do you know what? So what do you think's going on there? It's just He's boring. really into football? I once saw a documentary on Elton John where he'd go, he'd get HMV closed, and then he'd go in and he'd buy, th- yes, he'd buy three of each CD, one yeah. for each of his houses. Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, now, we've previously discussed Overlapping your partner with a footballer. Yes. This led to a text about uh, Wimbledon's players at the Harbour Lights in Torpoint in Cornwall last week. Yeah. Sad music, please, Michael. My brother is from Cornwall, and he sent me this astonishing follow-up. Regarding the Harbour Lights story in Torpoint, 
My ex-girlfriend slept with Dean Holdsworth whilst Wimbledon were down and sold her story to the News of the World and it was published on New Year's Day. Oh, oh happy What New an Year. absolute hell wow. of a... Isn't that... I, I didn't know I was, I was so close to meeting Dean Holdsworth. <laughs> That's what I'm taking out of this. Uh, my, my brother adds uh, that uh, she was really tall and we'd stand on a slope to Frenchie. <laughs> Isn't Frenchie. that amazing? Yeah, lovely. Like, because we've previously dealt with the fact of people who've inherited their partner from a footballer. Yeah. yeah. The other way must be far more heartbreaking. Because my brother, I didn't realise the pain he was seeing every time Dean Holdsworth <laughs> banged in a goal yeah. on match of the day. <laughs> and do you know what? If that has happened to you, please don't email it in because I don't want to be depressed. <laughs> please do. <laughs> Hello at quicklykevin.com. Right, Josh, there's your plane tickets. Let's go. Yes, you join me in my Italian piazza. Mm. Uh, oh, Paolo, Paolo, <laughs> just a half shot latte, please. <laughs> Can't handle a full shot because I do get quite down after the after the coffee's worn off and I've moved away from my family to do this job in Italy so it's quite lonely <laughs> news from West Ham excited Chris? oh well this is an astonishing story oh, this is from John Morton so Harry Redknapp uh, said I'll just read the quote from Harry Redknapp and it's a real journey I was at West Ham and uh, Frank Lampard Senior and I were approached by these two villains who said they were doing some business in the Ukraine and we were so scared of them we agreed have a look at a couple of these kids. One of them we played against Barnet Reserves and he scored the winner. They said they wanted a million quid for them and Frank said it was too much. His name was Andrei Shevchenko. Oh no. Oh wow. Oh man. I love the fact that the one time Harry didn't take a gamble <laughs> on a foreign player was Andrei Shevchenko. <laughs> the weird thing about that quote as well is that he was approached by two villains. Like... What are they doing scouting? How's that work? <laughs> like, you know, Dave Courtney turn up at like Vicarage Road. Two villains. Joker and the Penguin. Turn up. <laughs> <laughs> the Chevchenko and Rebrov. <laughs> give these lads, give these lads a game. They're brilliant. <laughs> right, here is one of my refereeing idols. I think it's fair to say, Josh, one of your refereeing idols. Yeah, I love him. Dermot Gallagher. We were really nervous about this because he's got so much authority. Genuinely, this is one of the best interviews we've ever done. Or, you judge that, one of our favourites. Dermot Gallagher. Dermot Gallagher, the man in charge. Manchester United already the champions. And they're saying today is simply a bonus for them. Our guest this week is a referee who officiated more than 1,200 top-level matches in his career, including Premier League games, Champions League, FA Cup finals, and across 53 countries. It's our pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin, Dermot Gallagher. Thank you very much. What an honour. Very <laughs> excited. Our first referee. And to be honest, I don't know if we'll need another one. <laughs> <laughs> Should we be nervous, Dermot? We've been chatting before. You're, you, seem, you seem quite pleasant, but on the field... I don't think that was the case. Would you, because we were just chatting them beforehand, would you, if the players were up for just chatting to you before the match, would you happily treat the fact with them? Yeah, I think it's important, communication, and um, it's easier to make friends than enemies, isn't it? You know, yeah. if you make friends, they can look after when you need them. You make enemies and 
players, <laughs> players cannot help you on the field. When player goes to another player. Come on, mate. We were having a great chat in the tunnel earlier. <laughs> um, so we normally ask non-footballing guests uh, a setting question or two. Have you ever met a 90s footballer? I mean, that's redundant for you. <laughs> Is there any 90s footballers that stick out for you? Zinedine uh, Zidane. Really? He's just the greatest player I've ever afraid of. Were you reffing on the pitch with him? Three times. Really? You couldn't believe it. They played for Juventus in the game I refed in the Champions League and uh, Del Piero got the ball and smashed it across the field and I thought, good luck with that. <laughs> and he just took it out of the air on his foot and passed it to Antonio Conte and I just went, wow. <laughs> How much can you appreciate the game when you're refereeing? Do you ever think, you know, a player gets the ball, do you ever think, go on, have a pop from there or are you too focused on refereeing? The more relaxed the game is in so much as the players are just playing you don't have to get involved you've got more time to watch the build up the talent and everything but obviously if you have a really feisty game it's a lot more difficult Were you on the pitch for an amazing goal? Uh, loads of them yeah. um, and Do you go well done that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> I was on the pitch for an amazing goal when I was I was put on the line in the Toulon tournament when I was a referee and I'm thinking why are they put me on the line? And I realised how difficult it was, and it was Brazil and South Africa under 21s, and a Brazilian player to ball from about 40 yards. And there was a Brazilian player about a Rizzler paper offside, and as soon as he hit it, I put my flag up for offside, and it whizzed in and out. I went, oh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Did he say anything to you? Oh, it was at that point that I realised, you know, stick to ref and done. <laughs> What's easier, refing or assistant refing, as they call it? I just think for an assistant there's two things that I just couldn't stick that to try and give offside is so difficult you're looking all over the place you're looking down the line for where the ball come from I just don't know how they do it and the second thing with a ref if somebody abuses me in the corner 10 seconds later it can be up the other end of the field but as a linesman you're stuck there for 90 minutes you just got to put up with them and if you make a bad call I suppose and you're in front of the home fans you're oh. like you're, you could be getting it for like 44 just minutes just got to do that oh. sidestepping trotting up and down well I remember being linesman in my formative years at Millwall at the old den and um, the, the referee said we'll put you on the right wing in the first half and the left wing in the second half so what you actually do you cross the field and and half time I'd gone in and during the game I could hear this noise and all these people running and I thought what are they doing and they kept running down they kept spitting all over the back of my shirt oh my God. and I got in at half time I was covered in spit and I said to Lyme you've got all this to look forward to in the second half and the ref said well, there's no point in both of you getting dirty he said stop where you are <laughs> so all linesmen want to be referees no no do you Men have to say that? I think a lot of linesmen are like um, coaches in football. Yeah. You know, there's coaches who are brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. But they don't want to be a manager because yeah. they don't want that, not responsibility, but they don't want to take that step. And I think there's a lot of people now that want to be linesmen. I mean, now that you can choose whether you want to be a linesman or a referee at the highest level. Yeah. And people say, well, I want to be a linesman. And that's their niche. They like it. I mean, I know a guy who was absolute brilliant linesman absolutely brilliant one of the best in the world but I wouldn't want to run the line to him I wouldn't want him to be a referee because yeah. he'll just get involved with the player and he'll lose his temper and then his composure's gone whereas on the line he doesn't have that problem yeah. has a ref ever lost or a linesman ever lost their temper when you've been officiating <laughs> with them it's a smile a few, a few players have lost their temper <laughs> <when I'm laughs> players obviously <laughs> but when you get back in so when you get back in at half time are any of you ever going oh that fucking strike is that absolute oh, I've gone in at full time sometimes and set a line. What are you doing to me? You know, you know, I had enough problems with the players without you getting involved. But it happens, doesn't it? Because 
you know, they see things different on the line. And, and I had the other alternative. I, the worst decision I ever made in my life, I, and I learned so much from it, I was refereeing West Brom and Villa. Full house, you know, 28,000 people there. And Mark Delaney coming into the penalty area. And luckily, Dion Dublin was playing for Villa, who's a really nice guy, and got me out of jail. And Mark Delaney's leaning forward, and I thought, he's going to hit the ground here. Yeah. And it was the only time in my life that I'd ever made a decision before it happened, and I learned so oh, much gosh. from it. I thought he was going to hit the ground here, and he did. And as soon as he hit the ground, I give it the biggest cut the grass you've ever seen, and goal kick. Right. And what I didn't allow for was Phil Gilchrist took him off at the knees. That's why he hit oh, the ground. God. And Dion Dublin, God bless him, he just went, you didn't fancy that one, pal? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something sound Holmes under the hammer. And I went, do you think it was a penalty? He went, I do actually. He said, but I know you don't. He says, so believe it. You said to him, do you think it was a penalty? Yeah. And he went, <laughs> He said, I do actually, but you don't believe it. And I went in at half time and said to the linesman, Do you think that was a penalty? He says, The most blatant penalty I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I went, Would well, you not think to flag and get me out of jail? <laughs> he said, You give it the biggest no in the world. He said, What could I say to convince you different? Because you always presume that it's like the three of you are such a tight yeah, like, team. You wouldn't I, I think never that imagine there's a division. Even you saying well, this there, is there surprising. Me. No, it wasn't a division. It's the fact that I was so adamant it wasn't a penalty. He's got yeah. nowhere to go. Yeah. He yeah. could never change my mind, could he? Oh, because he looked so insistent. And, and what I'd done, I, I learned two things. Never make a decision before it's happened, because mm. I thought he's going to dive. Yeah. And never close your options, because that boy, when I give a goal kick, he could have flagged and said penalty, and I could have got it right. But. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's go back to the start, right? The, I guess the question on everybody's lips, the obvious one is, why would you want to be a referee? Did you always want to be a referee? No. No. <laughs> well, the easy answer isn't it. My hair was falling out, my eyesight was bad, and I knew nothing about the laws of the game, so I was cut out. But the truth. So were you a good footballer? Uh, I was all right. Yeah, I was yeah. all right. But I got struck down with an illness. I was four days before my twenty-first birthday, and I got struck down with glandular fever. I collapsed. Right. And I woke up four days after it. And you were a referee? No, <laughs> I was two and a half stone lighter. Oh, wow. Yeah, I lost two and a half stone in eight days and, and I, I couldn't play, you know, they, they just yeah. knocked me to bits. And a guy, God bless him, he's dead now, said, wanted to be a ref and I went, no. And he got me reffing and I thought, build up my strength, do a couple of years and go back to playing. But within two years I was on the semi-professional league and thought I might as well So do you, did you just find, because obviously you're a top level referee, so when you were at a lower level, was it obvious that you were a much better, like, did you just fly up through the leagues? I did, yeah. I was, I was on the football league at 27. Blimey. When you're referee, how, is there referee talent spotters? Like, were you just, and I mean, you obviously, Scouts. yeah. Like, was there referees that's like, wow, look at that, he's absolutely, he's got him all right. Is that how it works? 100% record. Well, <laughs> no, there's assessors. And do you have rival referees? Like, no. You, you all get on. Yeah, you've got to, haven't you? Because, you know, there by the grace of God, it's you next week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So then you work your way up the league, so you get into the football league at 27. Mm. And is it literally up to that point, bigger and bigger football matches yeah, every well, time? And well, I went from fired. the local parks yeah. to the senior league. How you like Ian Wright? To you the like... Southern League, then to the, uh, it was the Vauxhall Conference then, and then the Football League. Like Roy of the Referee Rovers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and is that, that's, is that still the route now? Would someone have yeah. to do that now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and so when you made it into football league, what year would that have been? Nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty five. So so referees at that point are still part time. Yeah. So you're doing your job during the week. Yeah. Train, training twice a week. How much back in the day in the early nineties would you get from refereeing a match? Right to show you what a gamble it was and how much my wife supported me. In nineteen ninety, I left a job that was being paid at the time twenty thousand pound a year. 
which yeah. was a lot of money in 1990. Yeah. The Football League, there was no Premier League then. Yeah. This Football League was £100. And I did, £100 a game? And I did 21 matches. So, <laughs> so I went you made 2,100 quid? Yeah, from 20,000. And that's, that's what I lived on. But you thought at that point, I could make a go at this yeah. as a top level. Yeah. What happened is, just before I made that decision, I got my first international match in 1990, and I went to Paris. And I flew on the Tuesday, reffed on the Wednesday, flew back on Thursday. And at that point, I was working four nights. I was a newspaper printer. Yeah. So three quarters of my week, working week was gone. Yeah. When my boss, when I was saying, I need four hours off, because I've got a game at Ipswich, if you like, and I'll be four hours late coming back. He could sustain that. But when you suddenly say, I've got to take 75% of my working week off, he went, yeah, I'll let you go because it's such a great opportunity for you once. Yeah. But you're not going the second time. So that first international in France... Triggered my decision to quit work. Really? Mm. Did it go well? Well, I Is it back. not more difficult because you can't speak to any of them? Because none of them speak English? 95% of international matches are actually easier to referee than domestic matches. Oh, really? The players, the higher you go, the, the more disciplined players are. What yeah. you would say, though, if a game kicks off at that level, it does kick off big time. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest kind of carnage match you've been involved in where it's totally kicked off? Uh, I, I refereed a game in uh, Egypt in a tournament. Syria were playing the Ivory Coast, and it was in Alexandria. And I was prime before the game saying... You know, uh, the Ivory Coast have got to get a draw to go through to the quarterfinals. Um, Syria have to win. And it was 2-1 to Syria, 15 minutes into the second half. And believe it or not, you very, very rarely would see a football match that kicks off from start to finish. Yeah. What happens, there's a period of time, then it settles, it might be a second period of time, but you'd never see a 90-minute battle. I'd <laughs> <laughs> get this game on DVD. But... Um, Suddenly, I give a penalty for handball. Yeah, and, correct uh, decision? Yeah, yeah, a guy stopped the ball on the line, so it's a penalty, and he gets sent off as well for handling the ball on the line. And suddenly, it's 3-1, we're about to kick off, and there's only 10 against 11, and the Ivory Coast aspirations have dropped a lot. Yeah. In the next 24 minutes, it's resulted as three off and eight in the book, which just wasn't... Three off? Yeah, and the third one, the guy just stamped down the guy's thigh split his thigh wide open oh like, like a, God. and I'm going oh this can't go on this just cannot go on and I just wanted to pack up and go home <laughs> oh you just think it's it's not human yeah, yeah. so um, what can you do in that situation well I went to the assessor and said look we've got to just say enough's enough and well, just, like a boxing match well it was it was too much it was somebody was going to get seriously seriously hurt yeah and uh, he just reasoned with the manager and said look and they played the last nine minutes out like a testimonial match. And oh, really? Then it all wow. kicked off at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, what, were they trying to get an X amount of players sent off so the match was abandoned? No, I think no. they'd realised their chance of going through oh, just to the next so just round. Heads have all gone. Did completely lost the discipline. Have you ever sent so many players off that a match has had to be abandoned? No, no, no. Oh, that'd be the referee's worst nightmare, yeah. wouldn't it? I mean, you'd have to send off five. Yeah, my cousin yeah. used to do it on FIFA on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. so I've lived for it. <laughs> I struggle to send off five a season, let alone five a match. Um, I'm really interested in the day, the referee's day. So how would a typical day work for you? Would, you wouldn't be in the same hotels as, a, as the players, presumably, to get out. No, no. Who books your accommodation, like the FA? Uh, the Premier League would book okay. it all in, yeah. So. nice? Do you get a night of travel lodge, or is it some nice? Is it a nice? Uh, they put you somewhere secure and safe, and okay. it's only right. But, right from the roof. But we, we say, say a three o'clock game on a Saturday, then um, 
and I've got to travel, I'd, I'd travel up on Friday night and I'd, I'd try and get the two linesmen to travel as well so as you can all bond at the same time, yeah. you know, eat, say half seven, eat dinner, so it's a reasonable time. You in the middle, them on the side, <laughs> <laughs> bring your flags. <laughs> T- telling them what to order. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am picturing you all in your referee's kit, yeah. dining in a hotel. I'm sitting at home when I'm watching the matches, <laughs> and I go upstairs, put my kit on and sit down. And if it kicks off in the bar, if you're having a drink after, just go, well, calm down, yeah. right, yeah. back away, apologise, shake hands, carry on. <laughs> but now um, I like to get up early in the morning and then about 11 o'clock meet up just have a little chat about what we're going to do how we're going to what our game plan is for the so day what, you, what is a game plan surely the game happens and you referee it or do you yeah, go, but, do, you do, do you go danger man no, I Roy Keane I think what you have to egg. do you have to um, in the Premier League you have to bear in mind that the stakes are so high so are like league title games tougher easier than relegation battle games in that respect they are do you know every, every game is quite comfortable until something happens that the players don't agree with you know? <laughs> and, and just to reinforce that somebody said to me who's the toughest player you've ever refereed you know who's the hardest player and I went every player because if they suddenly perceive something wrong and don't like it they can just turn on you it's just how it is well, so we just before this interview we were talking it turned out you'd been at Plymouth's match on Saturday mm. I was at where the second goal shouldn't have been given in my opinion I thought it was a foul as well yeah. you thought it was a foul as well yeah, that's yeah. all I wanted <laughs> in fairness I thought your goal was a foul well, yeah, as well we don't need to go into that term. we don't need to go into that but I, I turned to because Chris was out and I was like if I was on the pitch and I'm not someone who loses their call much yeah. but I thought I said if I was on the pitch there is no way I wouldn't say something to the referee that was just mean that I'd be sent off straight away. Like how? I think there's a way to talk to a referee without getting sent off. There's, there's certain... not in the mood I was in on Saturday, don't no. it? <laughs> so what? Where's the line? Like, are they all at the top level? They're all very well controlled with it. As I said, uh, the nicest person in the world, if he sees the red mist, yeah. can turn. I mean, do, do you treat players differently then? Like, so a nice guy, maybe a Dion Dublin type, are you going to give him a bit more room than, say, a Roy Keane type who's going to you know, be really great and on you all the time? Or That's the yeah. most interesting thing people ever ask, and I'll tell you for why. It's because in the past, uh, when we used to go to training camp, when I was a pro, they, referees would say, Oh well, look. I try and work with this guy. I try and work with this guy. I try and work with this guy because he's a difficult character. Yeah. And I went. So if a guy's a nice guy, you just jump straight on him. Yeah. And it was fascinating. People went. We never thought of that. You know that they're trying very. Their argument was we're trying very very hard to make sure we don't send this guy off. Yeah. But Mister Nice Guy commits one foul and he gets a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's not a referees kind of text group where you're going. Oh God, I've got Emmanuel Petit on Saturday. What a nightmare. No, if if there was, I'm out the loop. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the referee's day, right? So so now it's about midday. You get to the ground. Uh, I d- I didn't want to get there too early, um, so I'd try and get there about one thirty. Lay my kit out, go out, have a quick look at the pitch, and then my day started because quarter to two, the team sheets come in. Do you ever get the team sheets and go? Oh, they've made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you and your linesman go. Oh my word. <laughs> It's it's when Shearer you're like, on the bench. That's the end of Rude Hullet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's when I should have ref that guy. I still was injured. Um, it's 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 when you look across the top and it says referee's name and there's there's nothing written there. That's when you think they don't even know where I am. <laughs> 
when you get to the ground, you did. did I, I asked for Paul Durkin's autograph once. Oh, what like, a lovely oh, But would, would like do you do an autograph? Is that a big thing? Uh, it used to be. I mean, the major thing is people don't ask for autographs much now. It's it's all oh, sorry, selfies, sorry, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. That's how life's changed. Do you have um, keepsakes from the matches? Like, have you got? Obviously, players would exchange shirts. You've never thought. No. If Gaza wants my refs shirt, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really into stuff like that because I. It's just like the haunting past, if you like. The, the haunting only t- past. Yeah, I, I don't live in the past. I even gave my cup final blazer away to charity. Wow. Um, so you gave away your your FA Cup final blazer. Do you get an FA yeah, issue like, blazer? And yeah. that would have been the Liverpool white suit. Yeah, mine wasn't white though. <laughs> mine was navy. <laughs> you would have clashed. So you, you did that. Probably, arguably, the most iconic game of the nineties, Liverpool Man United. Oh, do you know what? when I got wrong? before the semi-finals the semi-finals were Manchester United against Chelsea and Liverpool against Villa I remember thinking whatever happens I'm going to have a great final and then Manchester United beat Chelsea so you already knew you had the final in the back yeah yeah. Manchester United beat Chelsea at Villa Park and then in the afternoon uh, Liverpool beat Villa at uh, Old Trafford Yeah. and the rival between the two teams you know everybody knows so it was like the dream final wasn't it the two biggest teams at the time and it just turned into the biggest damp squib of all time. Yeah, but yeah. what I would say, for me, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Because there was no controversy. Nobody remembers I did it apart from my family and friends. And, <laughs> but there have been a history of referees really getting taken to task after the cup final because things had gone yeah. wrong, you know, and it's the biggest stage. Well, you it's don't, it's you the don't. best thing you could say about a referee, you don't remember the games he's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so obviously that game was the game where Liverpool came out in the white stroke cream Armani suits yeah. did you see them before the game the pitch yes, yeah. and did, did you talk with your assistants and say no what it, Jason McAteer come across and I went where did you get them suits and he went cost a lot more money than yours did Derm <laughs> <laughs> that put me in the place <laughs> well I think you won the war in the war. they were <laughs> for that suit for 20 years um, so and at the end of the FA Cup final you see the referee gets their medal yeah, what well, is the medal does it uh, have a picture of a referee on it <laughs> it's, it's identical to the players as a winner's medal is that to a yeah. winner's medal yeah, so you've like, got an FA Cup winner's medal I well, think you should get a winners or losers depending on your performance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have to go up with the team. Yeah, I got bronze. <laughs> so okay, so back to the referees' day. We're coming up. You're obsessed with it. I want it. There's, there's, there's so many set pieces I want to talk about. Do you go into the dressing room, the home and away, before kickoff, and go, no, right, lads, keep it clean, whatever? Keep it clean! That's not going to make any difference, is it? <laughs> oh, sorry, I was going to foul. Yeah. The captains come in at quarter to two with the managers, and uh, so they, they come in and just have a look at the team sheet, just reinforce a couple of little things, you know, can I, if, if there's a problem, can I speak to you, you know? And of course they're going to say yes, you know, they, they don't want to play a send-off if you can be avoiding it. Um, and then really it's get changed, out on the park, warm up, lead them out, and as I said to you, then comes my nightmare two minutes when everybody's kicking the ball about, and the skyman saying, "No, don't, don't get them up for the kickoff yet," you know. So you just stand in the yeah, middle. There's, there's that two-minute hiatus where you're thinking, "I better look a right, Charlie." Stood <laughs> <laughs> And are your linesmen in position? Oh, they're checking the net yeah, and all that. Exactly. Oh, so you're just stood on your own. Exactly. It's you, just... take, you know, like when you get left in a bar on your own, you should be texting or something. <laughs> bring, bring a book. Out. Bring a book. <laughs> so 
the, the flip the coin. You get oh, the come on. Or you flip the coin. <laughs> Don't you think, like, when they choose ends, like, just whoever wins the coin, whatever. But it's, it's really, when they swap ends, I'm like, come on, guys. We haven't got all day. We haven't got all day. Well, this is so pointless. And that's extending my two minutes to yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you do with the coin? You flip the coin. Were you a catcher or did you let it drop the, onto the turf? With the I, coin, I always caught it. Always caught it. Yeah, Good. Always caught it. Did you ever get out onto the pitch and realise you'd forgotten a piece of your refereeing paraphernalia? Yes, I did. You did. What, yes. what did you forget? Uh, in one of my early games, red card. <laughs> in one of my early games, it was at Rochdale. Yeah. And at about ten to three, it was my first season on. I felt a bit nervous. I thought I better go to the toilet. Yeah. I walked down the corridor and I said, "Where's the toilet?" And the bloke said, "It's here, and it's next to the director's room." So I'm sat in the toilet, and. As I pull my shorts down, all, all my stuff's in it. My book was in my yeah, So right. I put my book on the ledge, and um, there's this, come on, son, come on, come on, you know, there's an emergency out here. And so, of course, I've quickly got dressed and dashed out. There's an emergency? Yeah, a bloke wanted to get in the toilet. Right. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> what were you thinking? It didn't matter about me sat in there. <laughs> but, so I dashed out, picked up the ball, walked out on the pitch, oh, and uh, God. I tossed a coin. And I always used to put in a book who kicked off. Like, yeah. Put my hand in my oh, pocket. God, imagine forgetting oh. that. And I've gone, oh, oh God. No, it's not in the left hand pocket. It's not in the right hand pocket. It's not in the right hand pocket. I went, oh, I know where it is. So thinking quickly on my feet, I kind of did this backward pirouette right around the pitch and said to the linesman, have you got a book in your pocket? Yeah. And he went, yeah. So he's passed me his book and I put it in my pocket. I thought, great. So about 20 minutes in the game, this bloke flies into a tackle, yellow car, gets his book out. I went, there's no yellow card in it. <laughs> oh! I'm like, what's he doing to me? I thought, oh no. So I ripped a page of the book out and threw it in there. <laughs> what, you held up the page? Yeah, and just put it back in my pocket. <laughs> and he said to me at half time, he said, where'd you get that yellow card from? I haven't got one. No and, way. And I thought, well, if he knew there wasn't one there, the assessor's never going to spot that in the wow. stands. Oh, did, wow. did the player not clock it? Nobody clocked it. So after you'd booked that guy, were you just praying that he didn't go in for a second? <laughs> yeah. so what you can do what you like, mate. I'm not sending you off. I haven't got a red card. That was just bizarre, wasn't it? Wow. That, yeah. is, that must have been an awful feeling. Yeah. Oh, I'd be so nervous. And I had to get this bloke out of the toilet at half time to get me booked. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and so the coin, is it a special coin? Okay. Did you have a lucky coin? Yeah, it's an Irish punt. Oh, right. Uh, 1996, when I did the cup final set, I had a harp on one side and a stag on the other. I'll tell you what I did forget once. Um, might not look so good on radio, but uh, I, I refereed in Europe at PSG, mm. and the assessor come down, just so I was putting all my kit in my pockets, and I got waylaid by him. And I went out on the pitch, and Ronaldinho was captain of PSG, and I'm playing a Hungarian team, and I put my hand in my pocket, and I've got no coin. Yeah. And I'm like, no. So, thinking quickly on my feet, I said to Ronaldina, ah, a new FIFA rule, he said, for tossing up now. He said, yeah. I said, it's your rock, paper, scissors. I went, no, you kick off. <laughs> no, you didn't. That's not true. <laughs> you played rock, paper, scissors? With what? With Ronaldinho? Mike Dean said he'd never seen nothing like that it. That is astonishing. Was there an assessor there, no? Well, it was his fault, was wasn't it? it? <laughs> wow, that is brilliant. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, when... <laughs> When you give a yellow or like you get your book out, what do you write? Do you write just a number? Just the number and yeah. just what yellow? Or do, or do you? Have, no, is, no, what you don't write? write a description of what it is to remind you. No, the fourth official can do that. Oh, right, he yeah. can he can put the time. I just put the number, so I've got the number. 
Yeah. And then, I mean, if he's going to be a red card, I don't need to write anything down because he's gone, hasn't he? So I've got, I know Chris has been asking a series of boring questions, for which I apologise. <laughs> but I've just realised I've got my own boring question. <laughs> so it's always confused me, right? Are you in touch with the fourth official through a radio mic? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Game over. <laughs> Thank you, Dermot Gallagher. <laughs> Thank you, Dermot Gallagher. So that you're in the second half now. I'm no, well, half, half time, mate. Half time. Over, so. over. There's, a, there's a whole line of questioning around this. <laughs> so, so you go... So you go in at half time. So many questions. Go in at half time. Cup of tea there, waiting for you. Uh, yeah, I, I probably would. Most most now would be water, Lucas and such like. But I'm a traditionalist. Yeah. I'd yeah. Cup of tea. Can you ever hear shouting coming from the dressing rooms? Yeah. What's the what kind? Of, you don't need to name a shame, but for instance, what kind of things can you? What's the worst things you've heard? Oh, I, I heard. I, I was doing a game, and the team are getting well thumped in the Premier League, and. Where our shower room toilet was when I've gone in at half time, the air, the air ducts and whatever going through, yeah. it obviously filtered it all through from the home team dressing room. And her manager is going berserk at these players, absolutely yeah. ripping into them. I'm like, wow. And I've gone out for the second half and I knew one of the players pretty well. And I said, gosh, I said, the old gaffer give you some at half time. And he went, he's wasting his time, isn't it? He said, we've heard it so many times. Oh, no, really? <laughs> I went, really? He said, he said, when it happens two or three times, he said, yeah, he said, you jump. He said, when it happens every week, he said, it's no oh, impact. God. And did you ever hear them going, that Dermot Gallagher's a riot? Uh, <laughs> they didn't wait till they got in the dressing room for that. Most of them told me that in the tunnel on the way up. Did you hear that? I remember there was, it was at Chelsea Barcelona where they were said the referee got kind of tapped up at half time. That was the accusation. Oh, that yeah. Yeah, right did off. you ever, you must have experienced that in your time, like a, re- a manager coming up to you as you go in at half time and you really like, you favouring one team over the other or I know it sounds astonishing and all them games are ref I never ever got a manager come to me at half time really ever that blows my mind ever I've had I've had a few come in afterwards and rip into me about you know a certain decision or whatever or what's the most scared you've ever been in red football when's Chessington World of Adventure <laughs> I, I refereed um, Cantona's comeback game at Leeds uh, oh, uh, yeah. for Man United and um, and the police commander come in about quarter to 11 and he went there's nothing to worry about for you son he said because uh, you know he said they won't touch you he said but there's been a, a threat on Cantona somebody's going to shoot him whoa but he said well, you might be able to help us out I went, how's that, how's that work then? He said, well, if you stand next to him for 19 minutes, he said they might not take a pop with him. <laughs> I said, if you think I'm doing that, you don't know me very so well. The cancer's going to be shot. Yeah. What? Not yeah. dissimilar from the yeah. plot of Steve Bruce's <laughs> striker. I thought he was going to ask you to keep an eye out for his potential suspects. <laughs> <laughs> You've got an idea. So um, then you get into the second half, Chris. Well, no, I just want to know about how oh, do right. you know when, how do you... Because half time never feels fifteen minutes. It's always slightly more. Your your timing felt longer than half time. <laughs> it wasn't with me. If it I, was fifty. Do you go? When do you start the clock for fifteen minutes? When you blow for half time. Oh really? Mm. Oh. And then do you get all the players together at the end of half time? You knock on the door. Like, come on, let's go. No, I just buzz. ring a bell. Really ring, ring the bell and oh, okay. I can answer yeah. that one, Chris. Oh really? <laughs> All right, and then back out in the second half. Yeah. And then at the end of the so the end at the end of the game, full time, you're like, oh, what a relief. Yeah. And do you know? I was like, do, do you know if you see the stewards coming to you to help you off the pitch? Yeah. Do you know? Okay. Yeah. I've... Yeah. You, you know you've got the referee's assessor. Yes. So does he give you a mark like a score out of ten? Yeah. So do you see him when he's there on that day? 
It used to. It's it's different now. But yeah, I used to come in and. And do you ever get an idea? Is it yeah. like with an Uber driver where you go five stars? Uh, <laughs> I think the good assessors they they won't tell you what the mark is. The mark we used to be out of a hundred because it was felt that if you marked out of ten, most people mark seven or eight. Yeah. So yeah. it become pretty predictable. Whereas if you mark out of a hundred, somebody might go 74, 78, So the band actually yeah. spreads a little bit. Do you know but, what your average was? Uh, uh, no, I must have done all right because I got a decent bonus at the end of mm. most seasons when I was a pro. Oh, did you? Did you get a referee's bonus for your yeah. average? Yeah, on your on your yes. merit position. Oh, wow. Had your mind blown by that? Haven't you? Yeah, I might get into referee. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your most hostile exit from a pitch? I refereed the Brazilian Cup final when um, the Brazilian Cup final. Yeah, I how did Brazil. you end up doing that? I just got FIFA asked me, so I flew over to Sao Paulo to do it, and it was it was surreal really because at the end of the Janino played in the game for Sao Paulo. Oh yeah, but before Middlesbrough. Yeah, and um, at the end of the game, I thought it had gone pretty well. I, you know, <laughs> Never a good sign of an know, anecdote, is you know, it? I just like I blew for full time, and I see these four riot police <laughs> just rush towards me with shields, <laughs> and they surrounded me. Wow! And I was like escorted back up to the changing room, yeah. and they pushed me in the changing room, and I've, I'm trembling like a leaf. Then thinking, yeah. what have I done wrong? And then this guy from the Brazilian FA coming, and he said, "Oh, brilliant, brilliant!" He said, "We'll have to have you back. Best referee we've ever had." I went, "Really?" <laughs> and he went, "Oh, it's fantastic!" And I went, "Well, why the riot police?" He yeah. said, "I'm Brazil." He said, "In the cup final, normally the losing team go and kick the ref." He said, "But you're a, <laughs> you're our guest today, so we wanted to stop it." <laughs> Did you ever go back? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was afraid I might lose and not do so well at the same time. <laughs> so you did 53 countries you refed in. So there must have been the odd country you go to where it's like, what are these facilities? What yeah, is happening yeah. here? Yeah, I, I went to um, Lithuania, I went to. And they put me in this hotel and there was me and the two linesmen. So I went up the stairs and I went to room one and I pulled the old light switch and nothing happened. I'm like, nothing's happening. So I've gone down the stairs and so there's no electric in my room. And he went, it's Tuesday. <laughs> I went, no, 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 electric, there's no electric. Just, yeah, Tuesday. I said, do you understand? He said, yes, 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 it's Tuesday. No electric Tuesday. He said, electric Monday, Wednesday, Friday. He said, water Tuesday, Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so I could have a shower, but just couldn't see it. <laughs> so let's, let's go through some of your iconic matches. Your first Premier League game. Can you name your first Premier League game? Uh, Spurs Coventry correct yeah, August 92 0-2 John Williams ah, scored both John Williams amazing I've got I, another I, bit of trivia I refereed 1248 pro games is that correct yep I'll tell you word for it there's only one I don't remember yeah. I remember John Williams because he was the fastest player in the league postman yeah the flying postman, postman. the flying postman John Williams so did the Premier League differ in any way did things start to change at that point? Yeah, definitely. Um, when did you start having snazzy kits? 1992. Uh, they invented the colour kit, so they had green with a black piping mm. in it and black with a green pipe. And were you pleased about that? Because um, they weren't shifting many replica shirts, well, were they? I've, no. I've got a story about that. There was a guy who, a, a couple of a few years above me at school who, when everyone was having like football kits, he bought a referee's kit and he would we're playing in the playground he would referee the games never a that, good thing that guy went on to become Mike Morrissey a famous tennis umpire who's oh, now wow. head of the FA's like diversity oh, wow. Uh, wow so he wanted to be a ref that was his clearly his calling well, well probably the only person to buy a referee's kit as well is there cause obviously a lot of refs had jobs at that stage yeah was there like 
a job a lot of jobs that would be repeated like were they often policemen or jobs that are similar to being a referee yeah, yeah services and teachers yeah um, and people had their own business because obviously it was the time constraints if you're a painter decorator and you need a day off to go and referee say Ipswich the other side of the country you say well I'm really sorry Chris I can't do your house tomorrow but I'll come the next day you can't really do that with a newspaper because it's got to go yeah. So I was completely snookered. So yeah. that's why I made that decision. You refereed a game, that, and I'm glad I've got this opportunity to bring this up. One of the greatest injustices in Premier League history. The 23rd of August 1995, May United versus West Ham. You may remember it was Marco Buga's debut. And he came on, he, he barely touched Gary Neville. And you sent him off. And, and I mean, his career for West Ham never really recovered. <laughs> it was £1.5 million. I mean, what, do, what are your memories of that injustice? You know, that's when they were doing the new stand at Old Trafford. That's so, right, yeah. so it was an empty side. And, and the ball got played forward. And as it got played forward, I saw Marco Burgos going the other way. I thought, where's he off? And it got played down the line. Back to Holland. Yeah. <laughs> it got played down the line. And he took off. And he hit Gary Neville, both feet, knee high. There was only four people in the ground who knew it happened. Yeah. That was Marco Bugas, Gary Neville, me, and Peter Smichael, who was on his way. <laughs> and I'm whizzing back, and I've gone, it's all right, I'll deal with it. And I sent him off. And Harry Redknapp, God bless him, came in and he went, what did you send him off for? I said, you not see how late he was? He said, no. I said, well, that'll tell you. <laughs> and in fairness, he come back later, he said, we've just seen it on the video. He said, it's unbelievable. But the funny thing about that Bugas sending off is, he, he really protests about it. Oh, it's like, unbelievable. He's like, what? He's like, what? I didn't... It's the most horrific. It's shocking. <laughs> Don't they say like, oh, no, it's a shame a referee's ruined an occasion, like a final or something like that. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you feel that pressure? Like when you're in that FA Cup final with Liverpool Man United, like to, to keep everyone on the pitch? Um, yes and no, because I think before the match, you think that's what you want to avoid. But when it comes to it, there's nothing you can do, is it? You've got to go out and you've got to be true to yourself. You've got to be true to the game. If we're going to ask you about your most kind of iconic games, the Dave Boost injury ah. must have been the worst moment of your career. This is the day, yeah. Yeah. Easter Saturday night. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what you mentioned. Oh, wow. This is the day. It's 81 seconds into the game. So you, it was a corner. <laughs> the ball come across and David stretched and he stood stuck in the turf. And he was a big, well-built lad, a fantastic mm. athlete. And his shin just broke and it came through his sock oh my god and I remember saying to Peter Smichael just kick the ball out yeah I said kick the ball out and he looked down and he's like oh every touch about it being ill and then I got all the players at Stretford end sent them down there and got footballs on and it took eight minutes it was Gordon Strachan was over him and the medics and whatever and it took eight minutes to get him off and eight minutes is an eternity yeah it's an absolute eternity 81 seconds into the game and when it finished I thought it was a pool of blood on the six yard area yeah, and it turned out it was bone marrow. Oh my god! god. And oh I had to get god. Peter Smichael's towel out of the net and mop it up. Oh my god! Before we could restart the game, yeah. but it's only in the latter years that I can actually relive it because it was horrific. Did it cross your mind to to call the match off? Um, it didn't because what you have to do, you just have to go through it. What did cross my mind is that it was obvious to me for 88 minutes that players didn't want to play yeah, nobody right. wanted to be yeah, there yeah. if we'd have stopped there and gone home nobody could have blamed us yeah, yeah. absolutely well um, you were involved <laughs> with Euro 96 but you suffered an injury yourself oh, that was the end of season <laughs> 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 that was not, 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 not the same scale, but 
What happened? How did you get injured? Basil Bowley went through the back of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish he had. I'd, I'd have only been out for about three months then. Um, I just run him backwards and suddenly my leg just felt like an elastic band. And I went over to Dirk's, who was fourth official, and said, this is the greatest opportunity of your life, mate. I said, something's happened to my leg. Yeah. Sees it. And he went, don't do a joke like that. I said, do you think I've come across him? <laughs> Euro 96 <laughs> for a bit of fun <laughs> and uh, I'd ruptured my Achilles and I had because uh... presumably when you're fourth official you never think you're going to get on you're no. like the reserve goalie that, no. you yeah. know. were the crowd sympathetic I imagine they were I, I think most most people realise that something really serious oh, okay. now whenever I'm... I've been at a football match and, and a linesman also I was pulled a hamstring or something, mm. and the crowd usually oh, I, I was fourth official years ago <laughs> from Coventry and Derby and uh the, the linesman he was you don't see them now the game's changed the linesman was a right big hulk of a man yeah. and he come down the line he went Psst. I went what he said I'm struggling I said I know I can see it <laughs> he said no I'm not joking I said neither am I he said I've pulled a calf I went no yeah. so, so the next I like, love that he's just doing this on the sly oh, so the next thing I'm stretching up against the thing and whatever and Jim Smith was manager of Derby he said what are you doing I said, I'm getting stretched a lot, he's been struggling. He said, I shouldn't hang about, he's flat on his back. <laughs> um, so, iconic, obviously, you've had dealings with iconic uh, members of the cast of 90s football, um, specifically Sir Alex Ferguson. Did you ever receive the hairdryer treatment? Um, he wasn't too pleased when I did a Leeds Man United game and I gave a penalty, the first decision I made in the game. Okay, first decision in the game yeah okay, is there an element you know when there's an early big decision <laughs> yeah it feels always feels to me they're less likely to be given because the, the ref's is, just easing himself in do you know yeah, what I mean but, but, <laughs> loosen it up get your eye in with a couple of free kicks <laughs> around the centre circle and a nice offside if you get a big decision right early on it sets you up for the day doesn't it yeah, right? yeah, yeah. if you get it wrong it doesn't but this ball come across and I, I gave a penalty and uh, Manchester United players surrounded me and Peter Smarker said, have you given a penalty? I said, yeah. And he picked me up. And he put me on his back. you better stand there. He said, they're going to rip your head off. And I've gone down the tunnel at half time. And Sir Alex is waiting for me. And he said, I had a right go at me. And I went, but it's handball. He's like, never in a million years, never in a million years. So I've gone in the dressing room. And the, the floor manager from Sky's come in. And I went, what did Andy Gray think of the handball? He went, oh, he said he couldn't believe it. He said, <laughs> I went, what? I'm thinking, how could I get a decision so wrong? I've, I've sure yeah, Nicky yeah, Butter. Yeah. And I went, so I've got it wrong. He went, well, amazingly, he said, they showed a shot from me on the goal. And he said, he went, God, what a spot that is. He's actually punched it. Well, I felt about 12 foot tall. And I was, I was so elated. Straight into the man new dressing room. <laughs> I was so elated. And then two weeks later, we got called, believe it or not, to Leeds for mm. a manager's meeting, managers and refs. And Ken Ridden was our boss at the time. And he said, look, we can't have managers one side of the desk, refs the other. We've got to have mix and match. So in come the managers and... We were there and music went on and it was musical chairs. Bumped down we sat and I sat next to Alex Ferguson and went, oh no. And he went, what's up with you? Went, what's up with me? I said, two weeks ago you ripped my head off out there. <laughs> and he went, just trying to get an edge. He said, that's what you do on Saturdays, oh, isn't really? it? He said, I wow. think you're a pretty good ref. I went, blimey. Um, there, then there was a lot of foreign players that came in during the 90s. Did that change the approach of the players in the matches was there different problems for instance a lot of people would say there was more diving from foreign players is that a myth is that true uh, I think one or two of them at the start um, were but but the interesting thing about you say the foreign players came in the 90s 
when the Premier League kicked off, with the exception of Peter Smeichel, because obviously he was yeah. an exceptional goalkeeper, there was only 10 foreign players on the yeah. opening day, is that correct? And a lot of them were Scandinavian, you know, yeah. with the greatest respect to them. They weren't the big hitters. No. But then it was about 95, 96, wasn't it? The big top players, the Viali yeah. started arriving and Ravanelli's big, big top players. And I think that's when the Premier League really went to another level. Um, everybody wanted to play in the Premier League then. Yeah. In the mid-90s, the 93s, 94s, it was Serie A, you know, they were playing Juventus, AC Milan, Inter Milan, and so it's like. But then suddenly then players made that transition to come to England. And some, you know, when you get rude hullets coming and players like yeah. that. Do you get excited to referee those players? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? You know, I, I, you've, you've got like dream players to referee. I know you said you did Zidane, but were you like, mm. God, I really hope I get put on with Bergkamp so I can see what he's like in the flesh well it, it's the thought of refereeing at that level isn't it it's, yeah. it's competing on the same field that's, that's what was great about refereeing in Champions League it was teams as well you know pre-season you know I, I picked up a game at Derby used to play a game on a Friday before the season mm. and they played Barcelona and you think oh, I'm going to referee Barcelona Patrick Cliver was mm. centre forward yeah Barcelona and it's just another world I mean it's hard to say when I was a little boy in Dublin I, I wanted to be a footballer that's yeah. all I wanted and then then I realised I wasn't going to be a footballer and then I fell into refereeing as I say by accident and I suddenly made a football league and you think wow I can't believe where I've come to and then in 94 I get onto the FIFA list and it's like it's just going up and up and up and then you referee in the World Cup and, and I look back and I go that's just unbelievable because when I stood on the terraces at Lansdowne Road with my dad watching football I had this dream that one day I'd play there, but it, it was a dream. It was a dream that you knew <laughs> yeah. that would never be fulfilled. And then when it happened, it really was surreal. It, it took me a long, long time to really uh, master in my head what yeah. an achievement it had been. It was just special every every day. I mean, we're going to edit that, so that bit is the end, because that's the best <laughs> end to the interview we could have had. But well, Lewis has got more questions you know, you about mentioned the timetables of the day. You may- <laughs> um, well, I've got, I've got two more boring questions left. When do you decide to put an orange ball on a snowy pitch? <laughs> <laughs> is it more for the fans than the players, the orange ball? Uh, I think it's a bit of both, really, isn't it? Is it when you can't see the ball at the other end of the pitch you go okay that's it I've had a few times like that without putting an orange ball on (laughs) and is is there always an orange ball knocking back Uh, they're coloured now aren't they oh Uh, oh, yeah that's right god I'm so out of time so out of time we don't deal with anything outside the 90s how do you decide when a pitch is waterlogged is you just drop a ball on it and see if it bounces I try and kick it if it doesn't run if it doesn't run yeah I've got got your gift I've forgotten about this oh great I put Dermot Gallagher into it's not a little big head is it it is. I didn't know this existed. Oh my word! The Dermot Gallagher Corinthian figure. They're for ages four plus. How many five-year-olds do you reckon are into Dermot Gallagher? <laughs> there you go. Have you got oh, one? God bless you. Final question, Chris. The one you always ask. If you could go back to the first of January, nineteen ninety, live it all again, the glory days of refereeing, would you do it? Oh, twenty-five thousand times over. Oh, <laughs> God, dear. it was it was the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. Yeah. Honestly, every single day I got up, I enjoyed it. Every single training session, every single trip to the matches, every single trip to the training camp, it was just brilliant. Um, well, there we go. This has been such a pleasure. Yeah, I may consider it. forgiving you for sending Marco. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Dermot. Thank, thank you, Dermot. Thank you. Cheers. 
That was Dermot Gallagher, Josh. One of my favourite episodes ever. Yeah, you loved that, didn't I you? I did as well. Genuinely, I was quite nervous about him. Yeah. Maybe because I don't like authority figures, I think. <laughs> Same he, as I struggle around Michael. But um, <laughs> he was just a lovely bloke, wasn't yeah. he? And he said he loves refing. He's like, if, if ever you need a game ref, let me yeah. know. <laughs> no, it's not something I'm often faced with, but it's nice <laughs> to have the option. <laughs> Should we do reviews? Yep. Okay, so we asked you to leave a review on iTunes featuring a 90s reference. Michael picks his favourite. It appears in the titles next week. Got two for you this week. This is from Maidenhead Ollie. He says, Blobby, 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 aka yeah. Mr. Blobby. Um, I don't think you should have said aka Mr. Blobby. I no, I, I said that. I added that. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say we got it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ash Wills has suggested this. Have you ever, ever felt like this? Can't find a 90s podcast. Are you going round the oh, twist? I like that one. Michael, it's up to you. Well, I like them both, but for the ease of the clip <laughs> I'm going to go with Mr Blobby Mr Blobby is in great uh, clip on YouTube him and Will Carlin oh uh, Will Carlin kicks him yeah yeah. great and if you do have time do google the uh, I think it's a Daily Mail article uh, which is photos of what Mr Blobby world looks like now <laughs> and it's because it's uh, they've just left it but it's got overgrown so uh, it's one of the bleakest haunting yeah. like Chernobyl yeah, but yeah. it's like Mr Blobby's house there's still pictures on the wall of like the Blobby family right? like they all died <laughs> yeah. and their house was abandoned <laughs> please do leave us your five star reviews they don't have to be five star but let's be honest it gives you preferential treatment with 90s references. And if you want to get in touch with the show, this is how you do it. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Before we move on to the quiz, we should remind you, we said it earlier, um, thank you to everyone uh, who tried to buy tickets for the first ever live Quickly Kevin show. It's sold out. We do apologise if you didn't get tickets. We're going to add another date. We can't really give you any details, but we can say that the details will be sent out on the mailing list with a pre-sale link on Friday morning. So sign up to the mailing list. They'll be on general sale on Monday. But um, if you want to be first... Sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Right, now it's time for the quiz. Both players will be asked a 90s football-based trivia question. The penalty taker will get to answer first. The goalkeeper will then get to respond with his answer. Whichever player is the closest to the correct answer will score or save accordingly. Now, it's a sudden death penalty scenario, so the first player to score and save back-to-back penalties will win the game and choose the song to play out the show. We flipped a coin before the start of the show, and Josh is going to shoot first this week. Much better. Percentages work in my favour. So Josh. Yep. Chris, here's your question. We all know what goalkeeper Nigel Martin's top five drinks are. We certainly do. But how many clean sheets did he keep in his career? Oh, oh my good question. Wow. Is, that, is that a bad question? I can't work it out. So Nigel Martin, how often does a goalie keep a clean sheet? I've revised this. I've gone down a bit on my original estimate. Okay, we've both written them on paper in an effort to make this quiz more balanced. Yes. Yeah, so Josh has shot with 210 career was, clean sheets. I was going to say 200, but I brought well, it right down. I was hoping you were going to say 200 and correct. <laughs> Chris... He's dived with 140 career you clean sheets. 
I mean, like, he's probably played, played 600 games. I reckon you yeah. probably got... He's going to get less than a third of those are going to be... Yeah, you're right, probably, actually. The correct yeah, answer... I think you're right. ...is 138. Oh! My God! Wow! Oh, that is an unbelievable save. That is... Yeah, not exactly. a great penalty, but one of those ones where the goalie catches the penalty. <laughs> so rare. <laughs> so, Chris steps up. If he scores, he wins. Here is your question. How many goals did 90s legend Alan Shearer score for England? I know this. Well, let's see. I don't. It's, I, I, you know what, I looked this up the other day because I was like... You was... absolute dweeb! <laughs> <laughs> Can I'm I just say, Michael, this is the best question you've done because it's actually something that I'm annoyed I don't know. Oh, okay. Whereas I couldn't give less of a fuck about Nigel Martin's clean sheets. <laughs> well, now I know what my remit is. <laughs> I'll adjust the questions accordingly. <laughs> okay, so, the question was, how many goals did 90s legend Alan Shearer score for England? Chris has shot with 32. Josh has dived with 37. Oh, God. The no, correct no, no, answer... No. I think he's right. I think it's 30. Was 30. No! I knew it in my heart! I knew it in my heart! I'm an idiot! Thank you, Shearer! Thank you for those years of underperformance. <laughs> so Chris wins and, as always, gets to choose the song that plays out the show. It is my pleasure, and our listeners, I'm sure, will enjoy this. It's Two Become One by the Spice Girls. Oh, Cubs. yes, please. <laughs> is it Christmas? <laughs> I need some Thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Uh, without it, we'd just be three men speaking to each other. <laughs> I, mean, I would be talking about Chris Bart Williams more feet to someone. Yeah. So I mean, but it's good we have this platform. Bye. 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 This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.